Welcome to this peer voice activity. To access the entire activity, including supporting material, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash UWS. This activity is supported by an educational grant from GSK. Welcome to this Peer Voice Talks on Chronic Obstructive Pulmonary Disease. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Professor David Halpin. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, I'm Professor David Halpin from the University of Exeter Medical School in the UK. I've spent many years caring for people with COPD and undertaking research to help understand and address the challenges of COPD and improve its management. It's a pleasure to be here with you to shed light on the impact of this disease, which is often hidden and the urgent need to change our approach. Thank you for joining me in this discussion. COPD is a stealthy predator. It often develops insidiously with symptoms creeping up on people over a number of years. Patients commonly attribute their breathlessness to aging and accept the cough as normal as they've usually been or still are cigarette smokers. Smoking is the major cause of COPD in Europe and North America. But around the world, there are other important causes, including breathing in biomass smoke from cooking and heating, as well as poor lung development in childhood. COPD generally worsens over time and leads to increasing breathlessness, a decline in physical function, worsening of quality of life, and ultimately death. COPD is a major public health issue. It's the third commonest cause of death worldwide and one of the leasing causes of disability. Much of the global burden lies in low and middle income countries and its global impact will grow as life expectancy in these countries increases and the impact of communicable diseases decreases. Let me illustrate the human impact of COPD by telling you about John's journey. As his specialist, I've witnessed the roller coaster that COPD patients often find themselves on. John's life is a constant struggle marked by recurrent hospitalizations due to COPD exacerbations. What's hidden in the statistics and clinical charts is the real impact of COPD on John's life. It's the fear of not being able to breathe and the social isolation and the lost opportunities. Every exacerbation of COPD chips away at John's independence and quality of life. Now let's talk about a glaring issue, the gap between the gold recommendations for COPD management and what happens in real clinical practice. Despite clear recommendations, there's evidence that the management of COPD in primary and secondary care is suboptimal. With late diagnosis, variable adherence to guidelines, delayed implementation of appropriate interventions, poor identification of patients at higher risk of adverse outcomes, and under-recognition of comorbidities. Take vaccination, for example. Despite Gold recommending annual influenza and pneumococcal vaccinations, many COPD patients miss out on these essential protections. Gold now also recognises the importance of pertussis, herpes and RSV infections and recommends that patients should be vaccinated against these infections. 
The gap between recommendations and clinical practice leaves patients vulnerable to infections that can worsen their already fragile health. Smoking cessation is another critical area where we can do better. We all know how crucial it is for COPD patients to quit smoking, but the reality is that it's an incredibly challenging journey. Support and intervention are often lacking. Then there's the use of pharmacotherapy. GOLD provides simple and clear recommendations for a personalised approach to COPD management, including the use of triple therapy when necessary. However, in practice, we often underutilize these effective treatments. The question is, how can we close these gaps? It's not just about improving clinical practice, it's about changing the lives of patients like John. There's a tremendous potential to make a positive impact. As primary care physicians and pulmonologists, you are at the forefront of COPD management. Your role is pivotal in changing the course of this disease. It starts with education, awareness and a strong partnership with your patients. By staying updated with the latest guidelines and research, you can make a more informed decision and provide the best care possible for your patients. Education is the key to ensuring that you are well equipped to tackle COPD effectively. Empower your patients to become active partners in their care. Support them in their efforts to quit smoking and encourage vaccinations. Teach them how to recognise early signs of exacerbations and manage their condition. Collaboration is essential. Work closely with pulmonologists like me, respiratory therapists and other specialists to provide comprehensive care. The multidisciplinary approach can make a significant difference in managing COPD. In closing, there is hope for the future of COPD management. By addressing these gaps, we can improve the lives of millions of patients like John, reducing hospitalizations, improving their quality of life, and ultimately saving lives. Imagine a brighter tomorrow for patients like John, where COPD is not a slow death sentence, but a condition they can live with. With your dedication, compassion and commitment to align your clinical practice with guidelines, we can make that vision a reality. Thank you for your attention. Hello. I'm Professor David Halpin from the University of Exeter Medical School in the UK. I've spent many years caring for people with COPD and undertaking research to help understand and address the challenges of COPD and improve its management. I'd like to continue on a journey into the world of COPD. Let's revisit John's story and explore opportunities to improve the patient's experience and outcomes by aligning their current care with evidence and guidelines, including the updated gold recommendations. As I mentioned, John represents the millions of individuals battling COPD. John's struggle is real, marked by breathlessness, coughing and an impaired quality of life. Now let's reimagine John's journey, knowing what we do based on the most recent recommendations. Once he's been diagnosed, we assess John's COPD using GOALS 
ABE tool to determine the best treatment to start. The ABE scheme assesses the current level of John's symptoms and his risk of exacerbations based on what has happened over the last 12 months. So when you're considering making a diagnosis of COPD and assessing a patient for the first time, the first thing that we need to do is confirm that the patient has fixed airflow obstruction by checking their post bronchodilator spirometry. And this should show that they have an FEV1 to FVC ratio less than 0.7. We can then assess the severity of the airflow obstruction using the gold stages one, two, three, four, Stage 1 being an FEV1 above 80% predicted, stage 2 being 50 to 80%, stage 3 30 to 50, and stage 4 below 30% predicted. Having done that, we then look at the risk of exacerbations and the level of symptoms, because these are the things that really determine the initial treatment. And we do that using the gold ABE scheme. A, patients have low levels of symptoms, low risk of exacerbations, and perhaps can be treated with just intermittent bronchodilators. Patients in group B have more severe symptoms, persistent symptoms, but are still at low risk of exacerbations, as assessed according to the risk and the history in the previous 12 months. Patients in group E are at high risk of future exacerbations based on the fact that they've had at least two moderate or one severe in other words, a hospitalized exacerbation in the previous 12 months. And we use that ABE grid to determine the initial therapy. When the patient comes back to review, however, it's not ABE that matters anymore. It's what their current treatment is and what their ongoing problems are. And we use different algorithms to determine which treatment changes are necessary in response to either breathlessness, persistent exacerbations, or a combination of breathlessness and continuing exacerbations. Initial management should include both pharmacological and non-pharmacological approaches. As he's still smoking, we need to encourage and support him to quit. Smoking cessation is a cornerstone of COPD management, and the sooner he stops smoking, the better his future will be, as quitting smoking slows disease progression. In line with the gold recommendations, we emphasize the importance of vaccinations, including an annual influenza vaccine and RSV and pneumococcal vaccinations. Gold continues to emphasize the central role of bronchodilators in managing COPD. Dual bronchodilators containing a long-acting beta agonist, a LABA, and a long-acting antimuscarinic, a LAMA, are an effective way to reduce breathlessness. Once therapy has been started, patients should be reviewed to assess its effectiveness and adjustments made if necessary. But it's important to remember that before escalating therapy, it's essential to check that patients are not making errors using their inhalers and have been taking the therapy as prescribed. In an important change from prior recommendations, we no longer recommend the use of inhaled corticosteroids, ICS, in combination with LABAs. If ICS are needed, they're best given on a background of dual bronchodilator therapy. Triple therapy with a LABA, a LAMA and an ICS in a single inhaler is indicated in patients at risk of exacerbations. 
There's strong evidence that in these patients it improves lung function, improves quality of life, and reduces the risk of exacerbations, including those requiring hospital treatment. But importantly, recent studies also show that triple therapy can reduce mortality in these patients, and GOLD recognises this benefit. So in the GOLD follow-on algorithm, if a patient is already on dual bronchodilator therapy and continues to have exacerbations, escalation to triple therapy depends on their blood eosinophil count. If their eosinophil count is less than 100, then we know that they're very unlikely to get benefit from inhaled steroids and more likely to have harm such as pneumonia. But if their count is above 100, then they will benefit from introducing inhaled steroids in terms of reducing the risk of future exacerbations. As we reimagine John's journey, we see that the alignment of care with the current evidence and management recommendations opens new possibilities. John experiences better symptom control, reduced breathlessness, and an enhanced quality of life through early interventions and appropriate pharmacotherapy. With vaccinations, smoking cessation, and the right medications, John faces fewer exacerbations. This not only keeps him healthier, but also reduces the burden on our healthcare system. Triple therapy, based on recent evidence, offers John the potential to live longer and with a better quality of life. Now let's talk about our roles as GPs, primary care practitioners and pulmonologists. It's our responsibility to ensure that we are up to date with the most recent gold recommendations and to implement them in our clinical practice. These provide a roadmap for the best possible COPD management. Late diagnosis of COPD means patients miss out on effective treatment. By the time they're diagnosed, they will have lost a significant amount of lung function. They will probably have reduced their physical activity, stopped doing many of the things that they used to enjoy and have a poor quality of life. As healthcare professionals, we must recognize the importance of early diagnosis and work towards achieving it. To improve COPD outcomes, we must be proactive in identifying at-risk patients and understanding the benefits of treatment in line with the GOLD recommendations. Early interventions may alter the disease trajectory and can certainly enhance patients' well-being. So what's the bigger picture here? The management of COPD is evolving. By aligning care with current evidence and management recommendations, we can transform outcomes for patients with COPD. We understand that each patient is unique. Personalised care tailored to their specific needs is essential. Given the varied technical features of inhalers, adopting a personalised approach in selecting the most suitable device for COPD patients is strongly recommended. This tailored strategy not only enhances the likelihood of better disease outcomes, but also fosters sustained adherence to device usage. So broadly speaking, there are three types of inhaler devices. There are the pressurised metered dose inhalers, there are dry powder inhalers, and there's the so-called slow mist inhalers. 
Each of them has strengths and weaknesses. Patients are probably more familiar and have seen the pressurized metered dose inhalers uh, in perhaps relatives that use them. To be used effectively though, there's a real challenge in timing the inhalation maneuver with the actuation of the device. The patient has to breathe out, has to fire the device and time their inhalation, doing it slowly and holding their breath at the end of it. And many patients with COPD find that quite a challenge, particularly as they also have problems with manual dexterity and may have some cognitive impairment. The dry powder devices generally are easier to use, but they require the patient to be able to generate sufficient inspiratory flow to take the drug out of the device and deliver it down into the lungs. In fact, most COPD patients can generate sufficient inspiratory flow to do that, but again, some may have problems as there are a number of steps required with some devices to prime them, to put the medication into the device and to actuate them. But overall, dry powder devices tend to be easier for patients to use. Slow mist inhalers are also relatively easy to use, but there's only a, a limited number of therapies available in these devices, and currently there's no triple therapy available in a slow mist inhaler. We shouldn't wait for the disease to progress. We should act early and proactively, aiming to slow the decline in lung function and improve patients' quality of life. We can reduce the burden of exacerbations and hospitalizations, not only for John, but for all COPD patients. And we can reduce mortality from COPD. In conclusion, we all have a key role to play in this. By staying updated with the latest evidence and management recommendations, we can make a real difference. We have the ability to improve the lives of patients with COPD. Let's ensure that every patient out there gets the best care and has the opportunity to live their life as best as they can, despite the daily challenges of COPD. Thank you for being part of this journey and for your dedication to improving COPD management in 2024 and beyond. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.